Hey guys, I'm John. This is my buddy Johnny. Yo. We're here on Talk About That. And you're still sick. I am still a little under the weather. Yeah, I'm going on like a month now. And uh, I don't really... The cough is deep. It's You can feel it deep in the chest. It's deep. It's like it's like become a part of me. The cough and I are one. Like It's, it's deep. When we, we pulled up, we went to lunch together. And you, I don't know, you probably thought I was throwing up there on the side of the building. Because I kind of was. Um, it's, just, it's just gagging. I'm sorry. Johnny, it's as if a... Like a like a hand, like an yeah. open hand of mucus has okay. has taken hold of my throat, like yeah. a grip, like it's gripping it now, like a mucus grip. Like the devil's belting through you. I it's, hear you. It's really, I don't know what it is, man. I've been through antibiotics. I've uh, I've tried everything. So, but you know what? I'm gonna rise above. And uh, I'm sorry. We were talking about the seal bark cough, <laughs> and how like if you're like my curry gets a sinus infection two or three times a year, and bronchitis or whatever and she gets this seal bark cough or whatever for whatever reason i don't get it uh when i get sick but she and when i hear that cough and you had the same similar experience with laura <laughs> it's like we immediately think well that's two weeks <laughs> and i think it's so so, so funny because like we think of it in light of our own right, experience rather than like being worried about them we're like oh, here, oh, we, here go. we go that's a real sign of but horrible. that's a, <laughs> we're yeah. terrible people yeah. but i will say this one time we were laying in bed and i was like sneezing and like for whatever reason, I always do this. I give the person like three sneezes. I'll be like, bless you, bless you, bless you. All right, now, now you're just embarrassing me. yourself, right? <laughs> or like, that's Tourette's. Like, I'll just, whatever, whatever far, horrible right? thing to say to somebody to make them feel bad about the fourth sneeze. But one time I was sneezing like that in my in bed, and it was like the lights were out. And then Carrie's like, bless you. And then one day she was just like, why don't you take something? <laughs> have you tried taking a Comtrex? I was like, do they even make Comtrex? I don't even know what that is. It's an old, like, I don't know, sinus medication, Comtrex. <laughs> and like, I was, she recommended an old expired medication for my sneeze. But it was, we always say that if somebody's like really sick, we're like, take a Comtrex. Comtrex is something like, like a, George Bailey was working up at the pharmacy yeah, when he was he a He was kid, mixing it up in a bowl. his ears boxed. At, at the apothecary, <laughs> yeah. apothecary, yeah. <sighs> Mary, don't you? Anyway, but you'll be fine. Uh, it'll. It just sometimes things take a month to go away, and that I think that means that you're dying. So, <laughs> well, you had a good run. Oddly enough, I sang Sunday, so I led worship Sunday. Do you think you can get through? Can you get through singing even if you're sick? Is it does something happen in the, the adrenaline of it? Well, I think I can. Sometimes I can. Believe it or not, right now I seem to be able to sing even when I can't speak well because I think it goes. Maybe I'm actually singing properly now. They say you're supposed to be able to do that. Now, it's not strong, but let's be yeah. honest, it's not strong on a normal day. You have a stronger voice than me, though. Well, I don't have a, but I don't have a, I don't have a quality When we were voice. in a band together, we used to have to turn my mic up a lot louder. We did. You kind of sang like a, like a little child. Like a you wanted to say a little girl, but now you can't do that because <laughs> it sounds like you're saying girls are – it's an insult to call somebody a girl. To be honest with you, a lot, no, a lot I don't of, like these binary gender – I know a lot of girls who are a lot stronger than me, both emotionally and physically. So a lot of CrossFit friends and stuff. So yeah, I've just maybe changed. that's what's changed. Yeah, it's just, not political correctness; it's just I'm, correctness. I'm just weaker, so I'm not going to make fun of them. It's just it's just survival at this point. I don't want to get beat up by anybody of any gender. I think saying somebody sings like a girl is awesome because it's like it means you hit the high notes. My favorite singers are girls in general. So I mean, but I'm saying if you say you. a guy sings like a girl, it's like man, he he can hit the right the high ones. What's the guy from Maroon Five? Adam Levine. Adam Levine, boy. 
He's got a high voice. You know, we were just in Dallas last week where Shane and Shane uh, lead worship at the porch. Those guys. Know, my gosh. And I've been to shows. They're like in my top five favorites. Just, I mean, vocally. You know, they're great. Around. Great guitar players, too. Um, and I've actually heard them say, Shane Bernard, the lead guy, he'll say, now listen, we're going to sing some songs tonight. And some of you guys are going to have a hard time. Your ladies are going to be fine. But you guys, you're going to have a hard time singing along with us because... We sing like the ladies. That's what he yeah. said. And they do. I mean, the dude hits just yeah. unbelievable high notes. But his speaking voice sounds, you know, kind of higher too. So, Like I'm comfortable with, like, my masculinity. I had a scooter, so. You did have a scooter, and you tried to convince everybody it was like a motorcycle. Well, it was. Uh, that's the thing. And I'm, listen. Hey, Johnny, just, it wasn't a motorcycle. That's not me being defensive. You can't say it was. Here's the deal. If you have a car, okay, here's the deal. Because I had a big scooter. It was a 650 CC, oh, it's a it's big bike. Rattling off all the statistics to prove to us it's not. But listen, a scooter. I'm just telling you. This, I'm trying to show you how motorcycle culture is different than car culture. If you drive a stick, okay, right. then, but it's just like a Honda Civic. I don't know till I get inside it. Okay, I'm like, oh, this is a stick, and I don't think you're cooler. I do. You think somebody's cooler if they have oh, a stick yeah. Honda I, Civic? Okay, I'm just saying. Okay, first of all, I don't if you like got it in a, in a car, if you got it in a car as an automatic, you don't go. This guy, he's not even shifting gears. He needs a machine to shift gears for him. So my scooter mm-hmm. is like a. This thing would do 100 miles an hour. It's not like it was the 40 mile an hour. Did you ever do 100 miles per hour? Yeah, I did. It was bad. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. I got it up to 95. Holy. On the interstate? Uh, I hope. Where were you? Uh, old Hickory. <laughs> 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 like just in, on a ru- yeah, it was late you, at night. It just, where would be, oh, so you waited till it was pitch black darkness on a well, windy road at ninety five. It's fine. It's a, I'm glad you sold the thing. I did. People Good are grief. yeah, but here I learned a lot about s- culture. Like if you have an automatic bike, that's like you're less of a, and you can tell from the front of the bike. Like you can tell from the scooters have like step through seating, so you're just sitting on it like you're on your desk, like you're at your school desk. <laughs> Whereas a motorcycle, you're wrap, you wrap your legs around the thing, and you're like on it, and the engine is it's, it's like, like a riding big, a horse. Yeah, it's like right. yeah, it's manly. Uh, and so, whereas I was just kind of sitting, like waiting on the pop quiz from my third grade teacher. Yeah, when you you, you had scooter. your legs. You, you had like, oh look, yeah, you're just sitting with your knees up, and it's just knees a, are kind of touching. Yeah, you know. <laughs> there's storage under the seat. What are you doing with storage? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You were just so funny. It, it actually did look like a motorcycle. To be From the honest, front, it yeah. did. When you got around, it's, it was a big. It was a big bike. Got I mean, Curry used to ride on it with me, and we'd go, and it was fun zipping around <laughs> on it. But, um, and they get good gas mileage if you're not fat. From what I heard, because <laughs> uh, I was this thing will get seventy miles to gallon. Well. Mm. Yeah. If you're 150 pounds, maybe right. they get 70 miles to the gallon. Right. Andrew the other day, by the way. I got like 45. Andrew the other day, who yeah. you know is tiny, right. speaking of weight, he said to me something like, well, I had gained a little weight. I was like, what, bro? You're up to like 141 and a half? Yeah. He's like 145. I was like, oh, you gained weight up to 145. I thought you were going to say he could tell by his Prius <laughs> Uh, gas mileage because he watches his gas mileage on his Prius very closely. I make a joke every time in the car with him, you know, because it shuts off. You know, I was like, "Dude, your car's not running." And I was with Mike Burnett yesterday, who yeah. listens to the podcast, so I expect to hear from him on this. And he mm-hmm. literally walks out to Andrew's car and goes, "Dude, your car's not running. Turn it on." So we make fun of Prius people, but I used to do that when I had a car. Uh, I had a 1973 uh, Plymouth Velari. I remember the Velari, big blue honking thing. So. 
whenever I would start up to go to work in the morning, I'd drop, I'd drop Curry off at work or whatever, and we would start it up, and I would put it in reverse at our little apartment, and we would start to back up, and it would die every day. <laughs> it was one of those cars you had to warm up, you know? Right. So we'd be in a, we were always in a hurry because we're always late. So I'd back it up, it would dry, and I would just let it coast in reverse all the way around before I'd restart it. And every time, as it was coasting around in with a dead engine, I would look over at Curry and go, this thing's running quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Every time it was funny to me, and it she never laughed, never not once. Some you know things what? are just for you. Oh, all the time. There are yeah. things I do in my house, and and the repetition of them it becomes more and more funny to me that yeah. she's not laughing. Right. Like now, the the joke to me, mm-hmm. I'm just amusing myself, is that she's not laughing, and someone do it more and more. <laughs> John, we just call that marriage. Like that's, I think that's that's abuse. <laughs> then one day she's like, I can't take it anymore. She's <laughs> like, <laughs> please stop being so stupid. Yeah. Then um, she leaves, and you're like, this marriage is running quieter. Uh, she's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, baby. I love you. Oh, man. I love you. No, I, I can't afford for my wife to leave. But anyway, um, hey, so speaking of scooters, and mm-hmm. you did 95. How far did you ever go in the scooter? Like, what's your greatest distance? We did a trip to, uh, many of those places where you do Caney Fork canoe rentals? Yeah. Where's that at? That's uh, like Alexandria. Carthage and Cookville Carthage. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah we were basically all, almost all the way to Cookville. Yeah. Uh, so that's a day trip. We okay. did that. We parked it, you know, under the shade there. Then we did the canoe ride and came back and then we drove it home. So it's probably an hour and a half each way or so. I don't know. It feels like it seems like we, because we took back roads. You don't take the interstate with, with these things if you can avoid it. Because it's half, right, the, you half the journey is the fun. So we took like whatever the road is that's the, 70, the windy probably. road. Yeah. yeah, you took, yeah. We took the windy road. So it was about an hour and a half to get to the place and an hour and a half back. Ever tell you that I wanted to write a country song called Take the Back Roads and then somebody else did? And I wanted to write a country song called uh, As the Crow Flies. Mm-hmm. And somebody, and somebody did that. Yeah. Like, I had all the great ideas. I feel like I should get some sort of royalty off I of had that. an idea for like a, a sketch, like a video sketch. It was just Crow GPS. <laughs> and it would just have like a crow, like, <laughs> like putting a GPS in front of him as he t- gets ready to take off. And it just says, Go straight. <laughs> You have reached your destination. <laughs> did I tell you? Yeah. So, so we talked about. I probably did say this, but it's been Johnny. You know, this is episode twenty-two. That's unbelievable. We're coming up on twenty-five, and we. Gotta I can't do believe we special. still have things to talk about. It's unbelievable. It's like that. It was a really big. People thing. don't. You need to go back and listen to the earlier ones. If you're listening to this now, oh. all the good stories are gone, aren't they? No. No, Johnny. Johnny but go no. back and listen because we need the downloads. You're horrible for promotion. Like, I know. Oh, there's nothing worth talking about now. I'm sorry, Johnny. We're getting better. That's what's happening. Is so, it? But the day of the eclipse, we were at the house, and I kid you not, because you're talking about crows. I kid you not. As the eclipse went full, and you could take the glasses off, mm-hmm. which still scared me. Like, oh, sure. You have a good 30 seconds that you won't go blind. I'm like, my gosh, can we really change Did your it? eyes hurt the next day? I think it was hypochondria, but yes. It is. My eyes hurt the next day, and I thought, I'm blind. I'm, I have a hole in my eye, and please, what do I do? I felt like I've ruined my life because <sighs> I was an idiot. And it was I looked during the, the dark phase, but I thought, you're not supposed to look then. You are, though, they say. That's what they say. The kids but at school. I was like- reading conflicting thoughts. Of course, Trump looked right into it. Did you see that? No, did he? <laughs> there's like a meme of him looking. There's a video of him looking straight up into it. And you're like, ladies and gentlemen. I glanced at it and it came back down. I was so terrified, you know. Of, yeah. Of, uh, but anyway, a bald eagle flew directly over my house. At, I mean, it sounds like I'm telling some sort of story of the apocalypse or something. 
It'd be weird. How do you know it was a bald eagle? It was dark. I could. It wasn't dark. It was dusky. I mean, literally, I could see the white. But head. your eyes, you had floaties. You were seeing things. Are you sure this was a bald eagle? My wife saw it, and my mom was out there, and she saw it. Okay. A bald eagle, and here's how you want to really know it's true. You want to really get it to a crazy story. So a bald eagle flew over my house, like low, like right over my house, right mm-hmm. as it happened. Mm-hmm. And it was heading, let me do my, uh, it was heading south, okay? So it flew north to south. Where if you go north from my house, Andrew was at our friend Lillian's house, lives next door to the church. And you know what he told me the next day? He goes, you never guess what happened right before the eclipse happened. A bald eagle Flew over my house. I was like, was it flying southward? He goes, yeah. The same bald eagle flew over her house and then over my house. And my house is probably three miles away. Johnny, well, coincidence? Maybe. Yes, yes, probably. See, the whole south-north thing, that always confuses me. I remember when I when I started doing, like, bigger churches, you know, they have all these different entrances in these churches. Yeah. Because you start out, I'm just doing, like, look, it's First Baptist, go in the doors. <laughs> But now it's like, you know, right, whatever. We're in the school or whatever. Like I did North Point, North Point uh, Church, Andy Stanley's church, okay? Uh-huh. And so I'm getting ready to pull in, and we're, I, mean, I don't know where I'm at. I just know I'm getting ready to pull into this mega mall of a church. They're like, go to the southwest point of Yeah, North and point. I go to the south entrance, and I was like, look, I don't. Can you? Give me a landmark. That's you not guys helping have me. compasses you pass out at the door? Or? I, I, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> you need to go 20 miles south, and then you'll, t- I'm like, can just you, give me the address. Can y'all drop a pin? We'd be helpless without GPS at this point. So oddly enough, we were in Dallas at Watermark Church, which is a very big building. And uh, the pastor, Todd Wagner, who you know, we did the book with, and he mm-hmm. was coming to see us during dinner. And so everybody's all over the place. And literally, I had to pull up the compass. He was like, where are you guys? I was like, I have no clue where we are. Like, I know where I am, but I don't know what to describe yeah. as a landmark. And so I literally took out my compass on my iPhone and told him, and I, I thought, I'm going to sound stupid because they probably call it the south, but it was truly southwest. So oh, it's like, boy. we're at the southwest, like, I don't know, and he found us. <laughs> so. But there was a mariachi band playing. I was like, come to the mariachi yeah, band. Yeah, why don't I just say that? Like, if everybody would just have a mariachi band at their church <laughs> and then follow that band. But um, <clears throat> No, I like, <clears throat> I like using directions, but I really get, like, I have to be in, in my own town. When we're traveling, I can't. I have no clue. We've taken so many exits and everything else. Like, I can't. I don't necessarily – unless we're near the ocean, then I can kind of tell. Unless we're in some little inlet on the ocean and you look on a map and then truly you think that that's south because you're looking at the Gulf of Mexico, but you're actually looking at something anyway. It's a sordid tale, Johnny. Well – I'm no Lewis. Well, Clark. I think we're definitely raising a generation and we're in that generation that we're losing skills because of technology doing it all for us. And I wonder if it's taken that spirit away that's like, let's go explore. We're just like, no, I'm going to go straight to the hotel. <laughs> I'm going to go straight to where I need to go do my jokes. And I'm, gonna go straight, and I'm like, I'm scared to get off the beaten path a little bit. Oh, I love getting I, – I do – like even we went to down, we went downtown the other day. Um, we, we went – have you been, by the way, to Proper Bagel down on Belmont's campus? <sighs> no. So Proper Bagel is like a – Are you excited about a bagel? Johnny, listen to me before you judge. It's like a true New York Jewish deli, in the in and it's it's very hipster, but they literally fly in like fresh fish and everything from Brooklyn. a fish bagel is what you're excited about. I actually had a fish bagel, believe it or not. It was from New York every day. And it they, sounds like a curse. They make it looks like you're at an ice cream. Then he said something horrible to me, and he threw a fish bagel at me, <laughs> and a pox was on my house. That's awful. So. 
it's like a it's like a case. It looks like it looks like you're going into Maggie Moo's or something. Like they make all these fresh cream cheeses every day of all kinds of all right, varieties I can get down with, with that. herbs and all kinds of stuff. So sure, but they have you know. So I got a anywho. I saw it to say you need to go take your wife. It's amazing. And, and go on a weekday if you can because you'll be out the door on a weekend. But proper bagel is like a Nashville. It's a it's a beautiful Nashville proper thing. bagel. It's, it's amazing. So it's one of not a sponsor, family. not a sponsor. But the oh, boy, I wish they were. Anywho, when you're traveling down there, you know. I, I know my general direction. I'm trying to head back east, and so I do it all the time. I'm like, well, hey, I don't know where this – I've never been on this road, but I'm just going to take these – because you know they're going to keep blocking and squaring until eventually I'll hit – You know, uh, you're saying because the GPS will automatically correct. It will recorrect. I don't use GPS oh. down there, so I'm saying it. I mean if I have to find a restaurant for the first time, I'll use it. But if I'm working my way back home, I know the general direction. I'll just start going that way. If you hit a one way, then I know I got to go. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of an adventure. This is how people get lost, John. You can't get lost when you know your general direction. Just keep going east. Mm-hmm. One so time, that's I, what the Donner Party thought. <laughs> then they ate each other. <laughs> I tell you, well, we the, know generally where we're going. <laughs> I did uh, when Laura and I first moved to town. I tried that to get back east, and I literally came up to the Cumberland River, like. Mm. Oh wow! They don't have a bridge here. So. Speaking of Cumberland River, this is the this is the uh, seven year anniversary of the floods today. It is tenth, isn't it? Tenth is it tenth? It was two thousand. Oh, you're right. Two thousand ten. It was eighth anniversary. The eighth. We were way off, both of us. But <laughs> no, yeah, I was. I think I was closer than you by uh, two years. Was this like a if you overbid? Was this the Price Is Right? Yeah, one dollar. <laughs> Man, I remember that day. It was that a was Sunday. Crazy. It was a Sunday because we had some missionary friends in, and like we ba- we still had church because we had missionary friends, and and we were trying to raise money and stuff for them. Mm-hmm. But like we knew nobody could come. I mean, everybody yeah. was, but we still drove in, and uh, it was nuts. Three rivers converge uh, in the city center. They all overflowed their banks. Forty eight hours straight of rain, basically. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the city was never really the same. Uh, it was an unbelievable recovery effort. But it was interesting, too, like how the Haiti earthquakes happened around that same time, I think. Because mm-hmm. I remember that, like, it was buried in the news, uh, national news. And it's just interesting to be like, you're like, our disaster's not as bad as the other disaster. And you just feel this weird, we were hoping we were going to get whatever they, the, the government has to declare a state of emergency for you to get certain funds and things. Yeah, This is a complete, uh, I was on my first, one of my first comedy trips. I was like coming home. I had done a show uh, with some friends in Janesville, Wisconsin, and uh, Rockford, Illinois. And then we were going to come home that night, and I had made, I think I made two hundred dollars. I was supposed to make four hundred dollars, but the promoter lied and said, "Well, I said we were targeting that amount." Oh dear. And so we didn't sell enough tickets. And so you, this is what you guys like, you didn't say that. Here's the email. He was like, well, and so <laughs> I, wasn't me. so I basically made half of what I thought I was going to make. I call my wife. Well, I'm, I'm a, good news is I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> the bad news is you didn't marry well. Anyway, <laughs> you made a horrible mistake. So I was coming up with my $200 and they canceled all flights, leaving Chicago, heading into Nashville. Mm. And we had to go get a hotel and all the hotels sold out really quickly. And so I had to spend like 180 bucks on a hotel in wow. the south side of Chicago. The bad thing is it wasn't even in like – like I was at Midway Airport, which is on the bad side of Chicago. Right. And so I don't mean bad like whatever, but just culturally it's not – You're not seeing all that's the not where Mets, That's not where uh, Chicago Stadium is. It's not where uh, Cubs Stadium is. It's, it's like 
there, I was next to like a pot, an old country buffet was the nearest restaurant. Oh, wow. We ate at an old country buffet. I was like, I'll get some, we'll get some Chicago style pizza. Mm-hmm. No, what you're going to do is walk. Cause you don't have a car. You're going to walk to old country buffet and that's mm. going to be your Chicago experience. Mm. And I guess it wasn't cause you're from the South. So you yeah. would know what an old country buffet should be. Right. Taste like. They did. They were, their gravy was a disgrace. <laughs> Your Yankee gravy. Yeah, get out. By the way, I was in a, that's still a better name than Loyal's. Yeah, give it up for Yankee, Yankee gravy. gravy. Old yeah. Country Buffet is a better name. <laughs> anyway, so I, we flew in the sponsor. next. We flew in the next day, and you know, back then you weren't supposed to have your phones out. They tell you don't don't even take pictures or whatever. People all had their phones out, and everybody was chattering until we got like to the outskirts of the city. And it was like a funeral dirge, man. They were just so quiet. Everybody's looking out the window, just brown water everywhere. Wow. Tops of trees were almost immersed. I was like, oh my gosh, everything's different now. I just, and I knew that our house was okay. We were in, the, we were in Mount Juliet outside the city, but I had new friends. I thought, well, they lost, they've lost everything. My cousin, we, I went to his house and helped with, uh, mm-hmm, that's right. We went and flooded it. Were you with me? Yeah. Pulled some carpet out and everything. I mean, he's a pastor and, Totally over in the Madison area. Um, Brutal. Flooded his house. I actually was in a small group with someone last night who mm-hmm. uh, were asking how. So she works at a uh, salon with one of her other friends. And how did she get there? She said, well, I worked at the mall until the flood. And so then I lost my job and I was looking around and I finished up uh, going to cosmetology school or whatever and ended up getting a job. I mean, so, I mean, that that part of the narrative, that flood yeah. changed a lot of people's stories. Yeah, the ripple know? effect of it was everything because, yeah, there were whole plans. In fact, I was talking the other day. There was a plan for a water park on the site of the Opry Mills Mall. Like there's some land back there, acres and acres of land. And Dolly Parton was interested in putting a water park back there. Yeah. And they totally pulled the plug on all that once because it was a 100-year floodplain. But now it's like, you know what? Maybe not. Well – you know, it's used, the bad kind of water. Did you ever go to Opryland, USA when you were a kid? Once. Oh. We usually went to Dollywood because it was a little closer. So I, I, grew up, I hated when they put the mall in the first place because Opryland was like my childhood. We got season passes. Right. And just my brother and I and friends. Just, like who wants a bunch of stores? Back then you went to church on Sunday night. So they'd drop us off on Sunday after church. Oh, it's the dream. And we'd be there for five, six hours. And then it'd pick us up, you know, and we'd go to church. But yeah, we'd run around. One time... We were into hijinks and things. I don't know. believe this. I know. Well, I mean, I really, you know, I just was kind of a just an accessory to most of it. But on accident, one time we were in the petting zoo. How do you accidentally end up in a petting zoo? That wasn't the accident. Oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> there were accidents happening in the petting zoo. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it was like a goat or something in there. And we were in the petting zoo, and I was trying to walk out the little swing door. Yeah. Swingy door thing, you know. I won't use my technical jargon on you. you swingy door thing. How many llamas escaped? Uh, at least two or three. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this visual. I, was, I don't know. I was probably nine. I don't know how old I was. Oh, but but my my friend was like messing with me and not letting me out the door. So he's like holding oh, me right. there. And as the door was open, he's like they smelled freedom. They yeah. just darted. Mm-hmm. And all I remember, like the, 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 the real vague yet clear memory to me was some lady just screamed. It was like a movie. Ah! Like this this scream let out as these animals ran wild across yeah. Opryland into just a crowd of thousands of people. And oh, we just disappeared God. into the crowd and never confessed. Or do, you never, do you never know what happened to the llamas? I don't know what happened. I'm sure someone tracked them down. But this is me coming clean. Wow. You know, the Bible says if you confess that, your sin, 
one to another and pray for one another. 20 years after the fact. So I'm letting Nashville know right now. 30 years after the fact. Probably the reason that they closed down Opryland USA was no doubt some lawsuit over some injury with the llama that I inadvertently let loose in Opryland. This is a sensitive issue for me because (laughs) uh, an escaped llama killed my father. Is it? Yeah. Wow. And it's hard to talk about uh, because it's not true. <laughs> and I have to think of it like on the fly. I thought he died in the sequin mines. Is what he you did. Gosh, the sequin mines. He worked so many years. Prom oh. season was really tough for my family. Didn't uh, that bluegrass band write a song about the sequin mines? <laughs> we need to write a bluegrass song about the sequin mines. Gosh. I just gave you gold. Oh, my it's gosh. cool. Call it As the Crow Flies. There was somebody who posted, uh, speaking of paying your uh, paying for something 30 years after it was done. There was somebody, a comedian friend of mine in Nashville posted when the Cosby verdict came down that there was like something like, uh, this just goes to show you guys, okay, if you sexually assault somebody, you may have to pay for it sort of after a long and successful and happy life. And an unbelievable. It's like such a fascinating thing that we're going through in our culture right now where America's grandpa, we figured out he was a monster. And uh, now so we're, having to, we're having to deal with it. We can't deal with it. We can't wrap our minds around is it. Is he 82? How old is he? Yeah, he's really old. He's like basically he's blind now. It's, it's so hard to go. That makes the travesty. Uh, the travesty, and you know, I was talking about this before, you know, we recorded. Like uh, it is hard for a man who literally represented the opposite value system yeah. of what he was really doing. It's hard to wrap your mind around not only did he do this, and I'm glad that justice is being done, but can you call it justice in that many years? Yeah, I mean, he got away with it and, and was a star. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking international, I mean, worldwide uh, fame. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, he's an be- icon. Beloved, of beloved. Yeah. And uh, what he did for black culture, What I mean, so I mean, it's unbelievable. And yet all this was going on, and you just have to go, this was all happening at the same time. It's not like he became this. Right. And now he's a dirty old man. We, this was happening when we loved him. Right. While he's doing the thing that you remember him for that was helping va- family values in America. Right. I, you know, the morality. It's reconcile. It, it, it is. Morality is such a, an interesting thing. You know, and I was um, – so I'm speaking Sunday. I was writing on the message this morning and – um, not on the message Bible. That's already published. They didn't ask my. They didn't ask me to. They, you're not involved. I know. In that? I can't believe it. Wow. But on on the message, I'll I will deliver. Um, and I just I, I was just thinking about how it seems so much of American church has literally become a place to improve morality. Yeah. Like that's really the whole idea. Like it's it's we have a we have a concept based around a figure of Jesus, and but the real take home you know, every week is here's how to just better your life. You yeah. know, here's how to improve things. And, and I think that that it's, it's kind of like, I, I hate to compare the two, you know, we all feel really duped by what Cosby's done. Yeah. We feel, well, you, you proclaimed one thing and then we found out that you were very obviously messed up, broken, mm-hmm. even devious. You know, you were, you had nefarious things happening that are, right. like, wow. And you claimed this other. And I think, Part of the reason, you know, the the world sometimes is in every time that there's a a person we've elevated mm-hmm. as the church, you know, that falls, the world has that same reaction. Like, you guys, my gosh, among – even if I don't want to join your ranks, the idea that you would proclaim one thing yeah. 
and be the other. Um, that's what ensnares you, and that's why it's so tempting to just not. You have a lot of leaders, uh, or you're not necessarily leaders in church, but you have a lot of. Pe- I have a lot of people in my life. They just would rather not claim anything at all. Mm-hmm. Because they think it protects them from hypocrisy. There's like, I don't even know I what I believe. Nothing, so right? yeah, I don't know what I believe. So just like, I'm just going to go live my life. You're like, well, that doesn't really work. Right. That's either. not, yeah. You, yeah. You're, you're, you're just basically trying to give yourself opportunity to not be accountable for anything. That's yeah. all it means, but it doesn't mean you're not still doing it. No, I think that, you know, you have the moral, the moral gospel. You know, that's really what a lot in the nineties and early two thousands, it's, it's, it's the morality gospel, yeah. you know, and then you have the social gospel. There are those who think, well, I can, I can do enough good. All these are good things. I can, I can, I can not just be good or mm-hmm. have good behavior, which is the moral gospel with the social gospel is I can, I can attach myself to enough causes that that's going to, you know, and I think both should be reflected, but like to me, you know, we were talking about this at lunch today, you know, I've met some people in my life that you can't accuse them of, of hypocrisy, but not because they're saying they don't stand for something, but because they're being open about their faults and their flaws. Yeah. And I think that's getting to more the center yeah. of what the real gospel actually should be. It's a, you know, you think about Paul, and I think we just, we really idolize Paul. We really make Paul like this, this guy that's larger than, than Christian life, you know, and well, my gosh, he's Paul. But if you were really with Paul, like if Paul was in the if, if Paul's life was the Cosby Show, yeah. Then in the moment that you're really making that that conclusion about him, he's literally every day telling everybody the most unimaginable fault that any of us can have. He's walking into a new town and saying, in tears. He says that I came to you in weakness and in tears. He's coming in and saying, guys, I murdered people, right? And then this grace was shown me. Like he, that was his whole message. Uh, he was boasting. He says, if I'm going to boast in anything, it's going to be in my weakness. And that whole idea, I know I've heard it said like this, um, that that we we need to not remove the mess from our message. And, and I don't mean to, to make some pithy – come on now. But I don't want to make some pithy statement out of it. Yeah. But if, 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 you have, if you have nothing – if you have nothing that's controversial, right? About, no scars, right? Then, you're suspicious of somebody that's not scars. Yeah, that has no scars. You're like, well, this is this even a person? Exactly. And and we're not the the. It's hard. I'm always searching for new adjectives and new words because everybody right. there's always. It's so easy to be cynical and roll your eyes at anything you ever heard before. Uh, you know, because of the bias of the latest thing you heard and all those things we talked about before in other podcasts. And by the way, Johnny's right. If you've not listened to the podcast episodes oh previously, Johnny, they all build. They culminate each time to the oh, next it's, greater it's apex. crescendo that we're yes, building towards. Absolutely. So the mountain, we're just climbing it still. Episode 25, Johnny, you do something special. What is that, the golden episode? I don't we know get each that. other gifts? Because I'm looking forward <laughs> no, to that. silver. I don't know. I'm Do buying I get you, you silver? I'm buying you a silver something on that. Silver's... Still very expensive. That's what I'm saying. I don't – we'll see about that. It reminds me, by the way, we should talk about the curse of uh, Civil War gold. Anyway, not okay, Civil Okay, sure. That's a yeah. weird transition. Sorry, yeah, because it was actually silver. But- we talk about mess like my brother's going through this. I don't have children. You know that. But mm-hmm. I don't know if the listeners all know, but I don't have children. Uh, and so I'm kind of watching my brother be a parent for the first time now. Mm-hmm. They just adopted a little girl. He's been fostering for over 15 months. and But they laugh. He's got a stepdaughter who's 10. She turns 10 this year. And, you know, she was kind of parented for the most part by her mother, who's my brother's wife. And so it's like 
they've been through it all, the falls, the scrapes, all that stuff. My yeah. brothers never experienced it. And my mom was the overprotective of all. I mean, she was unbelievably overprotective. Well, she lost a couple of kids. That's part mm-hmm. of it. She, you know, she lost some yeah. kids to death. So she was just like, call me if it's storming, you know, sure. check in. Uh, where well, have you been? You're from, you're ten minutes late. All that. Well, your brother died from a lightning strike. My brother died from yeah, a lightning strike I before I was born. What yeah. A storm so would when do. I was nine, uh, or when he was nine, before I was born, I had a brother who was playing baseball, and they they were calling the game for weather. But before they got everybody off the field, he was struck by lightning, played mm-hmm. center field, and so it was terrible and awful. And I never knew him, but it was it obviously impacted my mom. So she sure. was like beyond. But she would still let us play, like go play outside. She wasn't like that mom, like wrap us in bubble wrap. But my brother, we laugh because anytime the kids get near the steps or getting close to the, he's stand the baby standing on the couch, they're gonna fall. They're gonna, and it's just like kids fall and they get hurt. Yeah, I mean he has a basically a dent in his shin <laughs> because he jumped, tried to jump from the porch to jump the little ro- the garden, and there's like these river rocks around it when we were like eight. And he just, I mean, the gash on his leg, it took forever to heal. And he still has this little, like, concave scar from it. Wow. It's like, it didn't kill him, though. I know kids do die from accidents. I'm not getting, I'm sure. trying to minimize it, but it's like this idea that, like, if my kid falls, it'll be the end. So we wrap these kids in bubble wrap. And I think we do that with our Christian lives to some degree. Either we we try to protect kids from even knowing about the world. And then when they get out in the real world and other ideas are submitted, they're like, what? They're totally confused. Or... We have experienced the world. We have scars. We have all these wounds, and we cover them up. Mm-hmm. We get to church, and we think that we're protecting the world from our mess. And really, we're just we're not really experiencing anything. We're just kind of like putting on a mask. Yeah, we're becoming good at pretend. Absolutely, and and we're diluting the very thing that God not only wants to do in us, but He wants to show the world. And because of that. The, the world has now believed a fake version of the gospel because we showed it to them. So not only are we not changing yeah. in ways that we never could just through behavior modification. Right. We're ashamed. We're hiding and we're overcompensating with pride. We're, we're not mm. letting anybody see what's really there. And you – because, you know, we always talk about it. You find out some dude who, who pastors a church that you've read 10 of his books that he had had a, a longstanding affair. You know, the thing about – that is that didn't happen overnight. Yeah, that wasn't like probably just a, a well one day I just happened to no there there was a moment when there was a, a wrong look and there was a moment when there was an inappropriate comment or a moment there was a problem in one or both marriages that you know and when living in the light with those little moments yeah could have caused you to be able to avoid the path that led you to right you know yeah Louis C K the comedian I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Uh, you know, we follow his life advice, but he has some really f- interesting things that he says. And he has a very interesting way of looking at things. And he got divorced about f- seven years ago and he did a special after, and he said, I'm divorced now. He'd been married about nine years before that and had two kids. And so the crowd's kind of awe. And he's like, well, it's, he goes, it's okay. He goes, no happy marriage ever ended in divorce. Hmm. He goes, divorce would be really, really sad. If you were so happy and then it's like, yeah, oh, but then we got divorced. Right. He goes, but people don't get divorced because they're happy. 
And so it's almost like he just, and again, we have a different regenerate way of looking at it and it's sad and it's not God's will to people. The marriages don't work out. In fact, uh, that have that, that the, we're, we're confronting that issue this week, you know, with the Southwestern seminary statement. Did you see this where yes. somebody made a statement basically saying like the, the, the marriage bond should always come first. It should always like we should always return, even if we take a break from each other. We should, always, and it kind of ticked a lot of people off because this idea of like there this, are women in crisis uh, being abused. He basically said, I believe, even if you're in an abusive situation, right? There know. should be this cooling off period instead of like get out. He's trying to kill you, right? And so like. People are watching what church leaders are saying, yeah. whether we value people over institutions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, it's tough. We're, we're kind of some of our some of our stuff is being exposed and we're having to go, what do we really believe here? And is it right? Is it is it uh, does it line up? You know, it's funny when you when it comes to marriage uh, and, and I have a, a friend who, uh, you know, before they came to Christ, their marriage was, you know, they were coming out of a lot of bad stuff, and there was abuse in the marriage. We talked about this the other day, and she mm-hmm. actually has a degree in counseling now and helps a lot of people. Yeah. And I was counseling somebody else, and, you know, because in my in my world, I mean, just I think it's good to make these – I think it's good for us to talk about where we stand on things. You know, I agree with you. that The world needs to know. So as a, as a person who's a Christian and a person who counsels in marriage – I, I consider there are biblical grounds for you to, to leave, and infidelity is one of them. And I consider abuse being a form of infidelity. And yeah. to the moment, you're, you're severely breaking a vow, you know, especially if we're like Christ loves the church. I mean, Christ is not, you know, if you're unsafe, especially you or your children. I mean, yeah, that, we're telling these women to go back into this situation. Right, like no. the blood's on our hands, man. If it does go bad, to me, like when you're saying, well, he's just blowing, like these old 50s marriages that we always think about, yeah. like when men were men, it's like, yeah, he'd come home. Have a couple of drinks and yell at you, and that was just accepted. That was the that was the household. Yeah. She's supposed to live in fear. You wait till your father gets home. Just stay out of his way, kids. And it's like that's not. No. We should not. Heart, that's not what we want. No, and I think you know there there are things to say. And the thing about my friend is they both came to Christ. It's a part of their story, and he's the most gentle. He's transformed. Right. He's changed. Like there's a change there. But she was the way she would say it is is I had a right. She had a right to leave. I had a right. They were able to work it out. Well, I, that's part of the deal too with Christianity is like I have a right to do X, Y, Z. But sometimes as a Christian, I lay down my rights. Yeah. But it's it's still my will coming under like I I have a right to respond in this way. Right. I may choose not to exercise that right. Right. Now I do think there are places where if you are in danger mm-hmm. or you're in a great state of fear, I think you should exercise that right. I think sometimes, you know, don't, don't, because you're accustomed to the fear, and I understand there's a lot more complications than that, get, get help. In fact, a lady, it's crazy. I was at lunch yesterday out in an outside patio. Somebody, a lady walked up to us and just said, Hey, I have, I have some kids and we're in an unsafe situation and we're needing some help with this and that. And we prayed with her and helped her out with some things. And um, I was like, You know, are you, are you talking to, and she, she had an appointment the next morning yeah. with one of the crisis management centers that will help through the process is like, Hey, you know, you got to get safe and, and stay safe. And we, as the church, absolutely. It doesn't mean that, um, not even as a father and a husband, it makes me angry. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me, and I, you know, I think I want to defend and all those things. And I think there's a time and a place for that. I think as a Christ follower, I go, you know, there's obviously something very broken about this husband 
that now he may have lost his privilege to be married to this person. Right. He may have lost his privilege to be free and not be in prison. Again, he may have a consequence for all those things. Regardless of the consequences he has to face in life, number one, he needs to be neutralized as a threat. And then number two, what is so broken about him and how can how can Jesus do healing in his life? Like I said, don't misunderstand me. He needs to be held accountable for his action. Right. That doesn't um, mean that these, these people are going to stay married even. But, right. Yeah. But, is you know, there still redemption that can come from it? But I have met – I have met people on both sides. I've met women who cheated or men who were abusive or all kinds of things that, you know, we're, we're all very broken and they dealt with the consequences of that. Yet God redeemed that. And he'd go back to Paul. Paul had no right, no right to speak to the things he's speaking of. Yeah. Instead of suddenly acting like he had the right, what would he say? Guys, I'm an apostle, meaning I'm someone who's met Christ in person is what that meant to them. Um, because Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, but he'll say, but I'm the least I'm the least of all the apostles of the apostles, um, and he and he boasted in that. Like, and, and I think it's such a weird. We make it like so. I boast in my weakness. Like I, I'll be really honest with you, Johnny, and with the listeners. Like there's a lot of things about me as a pastor today. And I told someone the other day, I've never felt more weak. I've never felt more ill-equipped. I've never felt um, less likely to know all the just perfect little answers to every little problem or, right. or how things work. And somehow it's a really weird dichotomy or a really weird mixture of things. I've never felt like maybe for the first time in my life or in a different way that maybe God could do something significant to help somebody in my life because I don't feel like I have any confidence in myself. Yet I have a lot of confidence that maybe Jesus could do something now. I said that to some of my family the other day, something like that, and and she just said, when you say that, it just sounds like humble pride to me, you know, kind of thing. And I, in fact, we had a moment with the staff um, where uh, on our trip to Dallas when they were talking about, hey, you know, a lot of, our, a lot of us, y'all need to go get together. You need to just kind of confess some things to each other and pray for each other. You know, yeah. you just need to be real with each other. And I told the staff, I said, now I really became tearful. I said, you know, here's what I realized. For about two years, I've been trying to confess some things about the way I've done ministry that they weren't done in um, intentional to do intentional harm. They're just the way. The only thing we knew, yeah. and and, right. and some things are becoming more clear. And and I don't feel condemned in them. I feel though that they need to be called out. And it's like every time I try to do that, especially with former students, every time I try to do that, everyone's like, no, 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 no. Like everyone tries to encourage me. Not realizing I'm really not that discouraged by it. I actually, grace is causing me to be okay. Well, they have a memory that's tied to you of that being a thing. So it's almost like you're trying to undo. Right. Their childhood. Yeah. And, and you know, and what I said, like, to, but that really meant a lot to me. You're trying to say right. now that's not, that wasn't. And, and then part of me is trying to be careful not to throw everything out. Like guys, and, yeah. and, you know, uh, Todd Wagner talked about that to our staff at, you know, when at the conference, like everything you did wasn't, you know, null and right. void. It had value. And so I got to be careful not to be so extremist because, you know, I'm a communicator. I make a point, and the easiest way to make it is to make it black or white. And really, it's great. I think our intentions are right. I think God did great things in people's lives. None of that is gone. I'm just saying for longevity, for fruit that lasts, if you want to use the John 15, there were some ways to be to have a better understanding, to be better grounded in how God loves you and be better grounded not in the things you can do for him but the mm-hmm. things he's doing for you that I wish that those those quarter turns – would have been really, really important. The, the, all the pieces were there, but putting them together in a better order. But I said, I think what I'm realizing and what brought me to tears is 
I can't get anybody to accept my confession. Yeah. I can't, I can't get anybody to go, okay, man, that, you know, uh, and, and I realized, you know, and I appreciate the encouragement, but for some of my students, I realized what that is. It kind of came to me and you just said it. It's the implication is, let's just say for some moment in your life, I help be an umbrella, mm-hmm. you know, over you. If I remove that umbrella, then the implication is, is you have to feel some rain that you never felt before. Maybe yeah. you need to, maybe you need to talk about some things that happened in your life. And it's almost like, you know, if, if, if we admit our weakness, it, it by procs, it by its very nature, it should cause all of us to want to do the same. And that's really the beauty of it. Um, I won't, I'll be very vague about this. We were in a group recently and somebody shared something about their family. It was really, really hard to share. Mm-hmm. And and she'll know she listens to the podcast. She'll know who she is. And um, afterwards, it was just us talking, me and her and her husband. And she said, because we had some newer people around, she goes, "Well, those people don't want to come back to church. They're going to think, well, who's that crazy lady who shared?" Right. And I just looked at her and said, "Oh my gosh, that was the best thing that happened in God's church tonight here." And they won't feel that way. They won't. And she kind of shared. She says, "I'm just uh, my expectation." is that God's people would say, no, something's wrong with you. You shouldn't have, you're wrong to have done this if your family's having this problem, you know. Right. And I said. Change your behavior and you'll get a better outcome. Right. What did you do to make this happen? And I said, man, absolutely, we all make mistakes. But God's real church, excuse me, God's real church shouldn't be saying that. This This is what Jesus does. Like when we say confess, it's so, it's so rote. It's so like religious sounding. If you truly confess things, yeah. confession is is messy stuff. It's like letting you in to a part that you don't want someone to see else or else there's no – there's a reason yeah. there's confession booths in the Catholic right. Church. They're not out in the open. There's a reason you go into a dark, quiet room and say yeah. it under your breath. You know, And God says, well, you're a kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of priests. It doesn't mean that we stand up on the stage and have to say all of our garbage all the time because you could, as we pointed out with – um, you know, Mike Warren King, other people, you can make a whole nother religion out of that, a sensationalist mm-hmm. right. mindset of My things. testimony's better than yours. <laughs> Top that testimony. Right, come on down. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but it's a spin the wheel of consequences. Oh, but it's a, it's a moment, though, to say, I, I mean, I, I want people who are listening to, to, to be called to a place of, of beautiful brokenness. If, you know, it's not cliche. There is such healing. Yeah, and I think that there's something too, like where the church is having a moment. Uh, and I know I spend some time. We talk about things in the church, but I mean, I'm saying that as somebody who's in it. It's like I think the church is Christ's bride, and that's the hope of the world. It's like so deconstruction has its place, and then at some point, it's like any horse can kick down a barn, you know. <laughs> Right. But who's going to build? Who you know? It takes something special to build it. Yeah. So I think there's something about building something. But I do think we're we're trying to deconstruct and unpack people's problems and hurt from the church. And like I see, even you talk about uh, victim blaming that happens. We see that we don't mean to, but it's kind of the root of conservatism to say, "Well, you're the sum of your life choices." And right. Don't tell me you were born in a bad area. Fix it. Right. Just take your opportunities and be better. And I see churches doing that even with like uh, if you want benevolence from our church, we need you to go through our uh, financial peace university. Right. We're going to have to – we're going to give you – it would be like if somebody was drowning 
and we said, we need to talk to you about water safety and why you shouldn't have fallen off the boat to begin with. Take these swim lessons and we'll... Right. right. Once you've completed this course, we're going to throw you a life preserver. It's like, throw them the life preserver. And then help them learn. Yeah, then help them learn. I think there's a place for financial counseling, but it's like, we we have this kind of wagging finger that I think the world sees sometimes if we're not careful. No, I think think you're exactly right. And it's funny, again, it's all about extremes. Uh, And I've lately come to some models... Churches are doing really well where, like you said, it's both. It's, yeah. of course, we're going to meet your immediate need. Of course, we're going to help. We're also going to love you well enough to find out what, what sort of thing happened in your life or what sort of pattern of thought or whatever. Yeah. Can, how can we help break this cycle? We love you well enough to help you break this cycle. Um, dude, I, breaking cycles, breaking cycles and, and dreaming big as the church, um, and I may share this Sunday, but um, recently I heard a church say, and, and it was this church in Dallas, he said, and, and you were talking about your brother in the foster care system. He said, we found out that in Dallas, at any given moment, the foster care system is so full that there are 1,500 children waiting for a home that they can't fit in the Dallas County area. So they have to ship them out to surrounding counties in Texas. They can't keep them in Dallas because of that's, that's how full the system is because of family crisis. Right. And he said, and he said, you know, a lot of people are pro-life and, and they're very, very, you know, to talk a lot about the, the, the issue of abortion and things. He says, and we get criticized as, as the church, the big C, for being pro-life, but really what you are is anti-abortion. You're not actually helping life, you know, birth to death. Right. Pro-life is not just in the womb. Like, what are you doing to help those? Yeah. All right, you want to be pro-life? How are you helping with the adoption crisis then? If you want to help somebody not make that choice, you got to be there for them all the way through. And he said, you know what? They're right. They're right. We are not doing that well. He said that's a, that that has some accurate um, some accuracy to the indictment. He said we realized if there's fifteen hundred children with nowhere to go, we can solve that problem. Mm-hmm. We can do that here, and so they're setting a goal that we're trying to get to the place where enough families in our church agree to go have the training, go get certified, all those things. We want to be able to tell the city of Dallas to tell the social services system that. Every kid that you can't get placed, we'll take. Our families will take. We will wow. take. We want the children. We don't want to turn them away. We want them. And then he said, well, "We're going to go a step further, you know, because most recovery programs and and if there's uh, major issues in a marriage that's causing kids to be unsafe, you know, because I've dealt with a lot of those in, in, in yeah. various guys who's been through court systems and things. A judge will assign you to a faith based program as long as it's certified and it goes mm-hmm. through. They have the some of the best." recovery program and marriage uh, crisis programs at this church. He says, we want to go to the local judges and say, listen, not only will we take the kids, but we'll take the parents. Yeah. You know, we assign them to have to go through this program and through this, let these couples come to us in crisis and marriage. We're, we're dealing with thousands of couples already because our goal is not to take their children. Our goal is to love their children and to love them. And let's begin to heal the families. Our goal, our big vision would be that these couples come to know wholeness and healing in Christ together and they walk yeah. through it and they come to, to be healed of their addictions and other things and walk through that process, the 12 steps and all those things. We're going to live it out together. We're going to be honest about it. So our goal would be that at the end of that, not it never ends per yeah. se, but when they get healthy enough that we who are also taking care of their children, reunite them with their children and the family is whole in the body of Christ. It was the most like Johnny, my gosh, that's the vision, man. There's yeah. the church. Now we don't all necessarily are at the place in the journey that we could go do that. We could do it for one, yeah. And 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 seeing that 
embracing brokenness and removing stigma from people as if we don't all carry it. We all should carry stigma as people separated from God without the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that you don't feel a stigma for, that's the real problem. Let's talk about that. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it happens all the time with a certain issue like uh, gay marriage or whatever. It's like that becomes the pet issue of a church. And it's like we we say like, well, love the, love the sinner, hate the sin. It's like, how about hate your own sin? Right. Are you hating your own sin? Yeah. yeah. Do you hate your own sin enough? Like if I sin differently than you, all of a sudden I get this on this high horse and I don't feel like I'm separated from God as much as that guy over there. It's yep. like, settle down. Was it first John that says any man who says he has no sin is lying and deceiving himself. The truth right. is not in him. Like he's speaking in present tense. Yeah. Like we all still have, uh, and we all still need a savior. And, uh, the beauty of the gospel is admitting that and, and sharing those things. Gosh, I wish I had other ways to say it because, you know, someone thinks I'm getting paid as a pastor to say that. By the way, let me just state the, 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 all the many <laughs> the church sponsors. is not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> all the many sponsors that are not on this podcast, uh-huh. we're not getting paid to do this, Johnny. No. Not yet, at least. We are in, by the way, set the stage. We are in a nursing mother's lounge. <laughs> so we don't even, we're not in some faraway studio, you guys. Right. It just is the best soundproof room in the in the building. Yeah. And it was a junk room. I actually cleaned this out a few weeks ago so we wouldn't have to set up and tear down every time. But it could be used again soon. We have to do that. It's a lovely room. I don't mean to disparage the room. We're looking at a little, uh, what do you call those? It's a little saucer where the babies sit in and play in, you know? Oh, the big uh, roly things. Yeah. And there is a, uh, there's a, a crib behind me. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, that's the thing, man. Like, I just want to wanna speak that truth in love to those who... Um, I just want – I will say this and I'll be done. I know there's a lot of soapboxing here, Johnny. I'm John, sorry. Is what is soapboxing? That's when you put on gloves and, and stand you, on a soapbox. No, it's when you boxing. you wear gloves made of soap Well, and you punch another man, which would instantly kill him, I would think. Soap oh, is – Absolutely. It's deadly. Or maybe if it's like liquid soap, you put it on the gloves and just slips right off. Slips. It's like a slippery so – That didn't hurt so bad. And I no. feel so clean. I did. <laughs> Speaking of, you know I've never seen Nacho Libre. What? I know. All those years, I saw every what stupid movie. What did you think movie. of it? I loved oh, it's it. it's so funny. Sadie and I watched it and laughed hysterically. So funny. Sitting with my nine-year-old daughter, and she watches me watch a movie because the greatest thrill of her life yeah. is not that something is funny. It's that daddy thinks something oh, is Oh, sure. Funny. That's where she's at now. Yeah. Same and with Hayden, my niece. Sometimes I have to tell her. She okay. knows that I'm a comedian and make people laugh, and she decided now she wants to be a comedian, mm. but she doesn't understand my jokes, I don't think. Right. No, but if Sadie will, I have to look at her. Okay, honey, stop watching Daddy and watch the movie. You know, like yeah, every once yeah. in a while. But I don't, I don't deny her that that joy right, of us right. enjoying it together. You know, so I thought, I thought it was hilarious. So good when he, when he leaves on the journey, he leaves the camp. You know, to the wilderness, right? to the wilderness, and then he, they go. How Nacho, did you, how did you find me? I saw you from the village, and he's like, <laughs> "Hey, Nacho," he's like, like forty wave. feet away. <laughs> the best. He's the best. What he's, he talks about, you know, and he's telling the nun. I, I, I want to know if he gets with the nun or not at the end. Like, she just gives a big thumbs there up. There should be a sequel in there. I don't know if we're going to get it. I don't think we are. It's a shame. It would, it would ruin it. It would ruin it. So um, I did. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. But my point of that was soapboxing. That's how we got there. Like, yeah, literally you're that gonna, trail. You were going to stop soapboxing after this statement. After I did it one more time. Right. Yeah. Just once more, Johnny. It's like the pastor saying, as I begin to close. You know... I've done better with closing. Um, here's what That's I've learned. That's a big knock on pastors is that they're long-winded and uh, 
You know what, though? My friend told me last night that he thought I was long-winded, and he's gotten to know me better. And now yeah. now he feels like he can stay with me longer because he's not just listening to a long-winded pastor like he – I think I don't know. Well, sometimes I think pastors get accused of long-winded stuff because they repeat a lot of the same things. I don't think you heard me that first time. Because <laughs> there was no response, and you're still yeah. glazed over. Yeah, you know what? There are there have been times I've tried to win an audience. That is dangerous if you're trying to win an audience. The, the general reason I go long-winded, and mm-hmm. God's honest truth, is I only go long-winded if I feel like I have you. And right. You're with me, and so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep giving you. Well, that you happens know. with comedy. You know, if I feel like, well, I was only paid to do an hour here, but the crowd's so hot, right. I'll do an hour 20, and I'll look at, man, that was an hour. That was 80 minutes. Yeah. And it's because they were so good that the laughs, you know, caused me to take longer pauses or I tried that new bit right. that I wasn't sure about. But, man, this cra- this is the perfect crowd to try that bit. But the difference between me and you is yeah. if you go an hour 20, yeah. then the people who brought you in got 20 extra minutes of right. wonderful things they if didn't If you go an hour for. 20, you'll split, you'll split 20, the church. The people stop paying. <laughs> <laughs> he made us late to the buffet. Oh, my gosh. Um, but this this Sunday, I'm these going, smug Methodists in oh, front of us in line. They beat us there, gosh. and it's John Driver's fault. Oh my gosh, they went to the fourth service that day. Oh, anyway, um, I, you know, I'm going to try this Sunday. I do. I do pretty good. I, I'm 40 minutes tops because I actually use a timer. That's I told a quality. You, that's I told, a good time. Yeah. It's a TED Talk. It's a TED. Well, TED Talk's like 20. 15, 20. But it's two TED Talks. It's like two TED Talks. Like That's what, that's, That should be the marketing for the church. I'm TED two times. If two you time can Ted, get through two me. TED Talks. Then you can sit through John. A John Talk. We'll call it that. It's a John Talk. We'll make I wanted to do like a really country version called a Jed Talk. <laughs> like a Southern. <laughs> we need to do that. Jed that's Talks. Somebody's already, somebody's already done that, I'm sure. No. Now they have. You just I'm gave like it to millions of listeners. Country, you know, like Southern Fried Comedian. Does Jed Talks. <laughs> Um, I will, I put a timer, I used to put a timer down. So, and then the alarm would go off and I'd set it to crickets and I would, and I would remind <laughs> myself that when I hear crickets, that's yeah. what they're hearing too. So that literally, that's what I tell myself. When you start hearing crickets, well, remember, that's but what the crowd But can't they hear hearing. it too? No, it's real quiet. Real quiet. Because I'm speaking in a microphone and stuff and I'm very loud, as you oh. know. Very, very loud. I mean, I'm Booming. slinging it. Motivational. Some might say. So... I'm not, like I'm a, a like a young T.D. Jakes. I wonder there. if people ever go listen to this. Oh, maybe I should say that. You know, you could actually hear some of our messages from the Church of Pleasant Grove. You so to, you said they're not a sponsor and that we're not shilling for the church, church and Pleasant now Grove. you've just turned around and done it. Well, like what if I'm, I'm going to talk about John chapter 6 this week and you want to hear what I say because it, you know. It kind of some of the podcast thoughts are probably be yeah. in there, wedged in. They're yeah. still formulating. And then you can go listen and see if you thought I was long-winded. Like maybe you don't even listen to the message. You just want to kind of grade it. And see if, like, what I did was true or not. And then Listen send us a tweet. Ha- make, break it up into two parts. Right. Two Jed Talks. Mm-hmm. And then send us a text or a message or whatever and be like, hey, you went too far. No, I wish I could be here. I love hearing you preach. And, um, oh, come on, and I'm gone. I'm in uh, Grapevine, Texas. So I don't oh, want to miss it. Dallas. Yeah, I'm going to miss it. Grapevine, Texas. Yeah. I I think the church is called 321 Church or 123 Church. Really? I don't know if that's because of the address or if it's like is a— Is it, like, built on a launch pad? Is it a— <laughs> It's a, it's a, they're a Sesame Street campus. I couldn't believe it. They're just, uh, today's sermon is brought to you by the letter Q. I opened with Q today. You didn't even laugh. I did. I, it's funny. I don't think people who didn't listen to the show three or four times ago are going to get it, though. That it's oh, that's a, the point, Johnny. I'm now, they got to go back. I'm now banking on the fact that we have perennial listeners. That's nice. If you did not understand what I meant by Q, yeah. go back, I don't know, several episodes. 
and and just try to find it. It's like, who, where's Waldo? You need to go find the Q reference somewhere, and, and then you'll It's in know. the very first part of the episode. Yeah, yeah, it's early on. Uh, so. Like three episodes ago. I met some friends saying that they're taking long road trips, and they're really starting to listen. So, well, we have enough episodes now. When are we going to take a long road trip? Dude, I want another one. Let's I just got it. back from Dallas, and I was in Gatlinburg the week before that, and I'm going to bowling, exotic Bowling Green oh. next weekend. for But volleyball season's almost over. So, um, and then we'll go into summer. It's going to be crazy. But then we're going to Orlando. I told you about that from my wife's work trip. Yeah, that'd be great. We got some cool stuff coming up. So, well, road trip needs to happen in there. I, we need to do that more. I just, you got to make time, John. One day we're going to be old. It's going to be over. One day. Tony, that day has arrived. One day. <laughs> <laughs> One day, John. Should have ordered us, ordered, heard us ordering our food today. Yeah. And you're ordering all. We're both ordering salads, and you're adding bacon because you're low carb. I did. Like, I added bacon. I take away the cheese and the croutons. You're like sending your extra uh, croissant. It comes with a croissant. a croissant over to me. Yeah, I didn't eat your croissant by the way. I ate mine, but not yours. That's called discipline. That's like a principle. Oh yeah, it was discipline. I could have done really well, but instead I just did okay. I just call that my life mediocrity. Uh, you know, just live live in mediocrity. It's like you had you had two croissants. You only ate once, like half of it. It's like one TED Talk, but not both. It was a bread talk. Discipline. That's <laughs> <laughs> a dumb pun, and I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize no, for no hey, man. Listen, I got a laugh and not a groan. So Thank therefore, you. when I did that comedy writing class, that's the key. If you're getting laughs and not groans. So I told a little joke last night, and the wife laughed out loud, and the husband did little of nothing. So I don't know what to do with that. You know what I'm saying? I got a laugh. I yeah. thought, well, it must have worked, but I didn't get a laugh from everyone. So I don't know. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of that, I always refer to these friends. So one of my friends uh, texted me this morning and said, I'm always your friend from Tampa. Do I not have a name? So that's Matt and Linnea Stewart. I'm going to go and call them out here and see but if they listen. Do they still live in Tampa? They're moving here. They're moving here. She lives there. He's here right now. He's a good friend. Came over and helped me do yard work Saturday. See, I don't even do that. We talked no. about like how you're not a great friend because I can't ask you to look at all my dogs. Right. But I have helped you move and I've done some things. You did some things. Well, he did need his laundry done because he didn't have a washer dryer yet. Wow. So he came and sat, hung out, had his lawn, did his laundry. But then he's such a nice guy. He helped me and, and did oh, some things. Cool. He would have come over anyway. Look, he came over Sunday and ate lunch with me, and we did no chores. We need to do that. We need to have a – me and you need to do a thing that doesn't have to do with the podcast, not our normal lunch during the week that's on your work day. Let's Whoa. just get together with the wives and go to the movie. I would love that. Let's do it. Yeah. What movies are out? Do I have to take Sadie? Does it have to be I Can Only Imagine? Do we have to go see a Christian movie? <laughs> have you seen the new Avengers? Oh, my gosh. I have not. But I just know it beat Star Wars. Well, the latest Star Wars probably, yeah. No, it, it was the all-time Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant weekend. like box office. You can't say something beats well, I mean, Star The opening Wars. weekend beats yeah, Star yeah, Wars, yeah. But they keep raising the prices of the movies. Well, it was that like doesn't... a three-hour movie, I heard. Two and 45. Well, you have to have it that long for all those characters, I suppose. Yeah, you got to fit them all in. a lot of development. Yeah. A lot of they left a lot of characters. Ant-Man wasn't there. <laughs> or maybe he was, and we just didn't spot him. I don't know. The Invisible Man. So movie date. We need to do dinner and movie with just the because we, we don't. Can, we can come back and talk about it on the and podcast, then, and then you can watch my dogs. It'd be great, and you can come over and help me in the yard for once. No, I'm busy. Mm, I so. got things. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, make sure that you uh, share. We are. Man, we have a lot of good feedback right now. Make sure you share with your friends. Sharing if is you, caring. If you liked it, sometimes I'm getting a lot of first nine podcasters. So if you like this, don't assume you have a friend who doesn't listen to the podcast and won't like it as well. Share yeah, it. Why wouldn't Share they? Share it. 
you know, and uh, spread like waffle. I had somebody at my show with Tim Hawkins this weekend. They said, oh, we love you on the podcast. I thought they meant Tim's podcast. They said, no, your podcast. I said, what? wow, we're taking Tim Hawkins podcast down. He ain't got it's a chance. A, he doesn't know what's about to hit him. <sighs> Forget he it. He does not know. Sure, he gets 80,000 downloads a week. There's a storm of brewing, though. It's called Talk About That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hey, if you're such fancy friends with Tim Hawkins, you should have him as a guest on the podcast. I, I, would, I think he'd be honored. And I'm friends with Tim Hawkins, too. Actually, I think he would roll his eyes and then he would do it. Right. Grudgingly. He has to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go ahead and call that favor in. That's fine. Great. So. It's on. But hey, listen, we do appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you giving us your, your uh, comments and sharing all the things. It's awesome. We really do enjoy doing this, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So we will be back hopefully next week. Johnny, are you in town next week? Yes. I think I am too, so hopefully that can going to happen. It's going to be amazing. Share it. We love you guys. We'll see you next time on Talk About That, the podcast. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.